If you would all stand with me for the reading of God's Word. As you're standing, I asked Mr. Dean a moment ago, I said, uh, I'm a little confused. I said, what's the difference between y'all and all y'all? I thought they were synonymous. I thought they were one and the same. One's, you're from the deep south, baby, and he's from Ohio, so I don't even know how he knows all y'all, right? He said, that's everybody. That's y'all. <laughs> Good to see y'all today. John chapter 11, verse 38. We're starting a new series today entitled Death Defeated. Open up to John chapter 11, verse 38. It says, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, I preached about Martha two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, said to him, Lord, by this time, there will be an odor. Basically, she's saying, he stank. For he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I'm saying this because all of these unbelievers right here around me right now, right? He says, I'm saying this on all account of the people standing around that they may believe. Come on, say believe with me this morning. Believe. That they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a soft voice. He cried out like some of you cry out to some of your teenage children after a long day, right? He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a linen cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. You may be seated. Today we start a new series called Death Defeated. And as we build up to Easter, we are gonna talk through how Jesus disarmed Satan of his greatest weapon. That was a place to clap. Like he didn't just disarm him of a little 22, but like he disarmed the whole nuclear arsenal of Satan. Like he disarmed the greatest of all weapons that the enemy could have to use against us as his people, or against people in the, in the world. See, when mankind fell in the garden, there were many consequences. Pain and toil, sickness and suffering, both physical and and spiritual, when the fall took place, the greatest tragedy entered into the world, which was death. A sense of eternal lostness entered into the world. But God in his infinite love for us, paved 
paved a pathway towards forgiveness and new life, right? He did not leave mankind without a path. He did not leave mankind without a plan. When death entered the world, life, a path to life, entered the world as well. See, this next series that we enter into looks at some of the, what I would say are the boss moments of Jesus, where he defied something so much greater than gravity. He defied and he defeated death. So we're going to pick back up where I preached a little bit a couple of weeks ago with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Martha, as we talked a few weeks back, is very relatable to a lot of us. I think we can see ourselves in Martha's shoes. You should have heard some of the conversation I had after Martha justifying Martha, right? For all y'all Marys out there, the Martha's got to work. Martha has a powerful testimony, and she was willing for her testimony to be shared. Church, there's power in our testimony. Some people are so ashamed when they swing and miss at life, right? Their failures, their shortcomings, their flaws. But church, your testimony is the proof of God's power to a lost and to a hurting world, right? Our testimony is the proof that God is who he says he is. He is able to make new. He is able to restore. He is able to reconcile. He is able to heal. He is able to deliver, right? He is able to bring marriages back together. Our testimony is the proof of God's power to a world that is around us. Scripture says we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So as we enter into John chapter 11, we see that Lazarus is sick. And he's really sick, right? Not just cough and cold symptoms sick, but sickness that kills the man. John eleven six 6 says, so when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. It's moments like these about Jesus that Jesus confounds me. Like if I'm texting, it's like, get out the shake my head emoji, hand on the forehead. Lazarus is ill, Jesus. Come on, we need you to do something. And what does Jesus do? He stays two more days in the place where he was. Can I just speak my mind for a moment? Even if you don't give me permission, I'm going to anyways, right? We don't like when God operates in his timing. When God operates on his schedule and not on our schedule. This bothers us. I'm the kind of person that's like, let's, let's cut out the slack, let's cut out the lag time, and let's get on with it. But Jesus, he waits two more days. He waits 48 more hours, 2,880 more minutes. And when you're sick, every minute seems like in eternity. We were just on vacation during spring break and we were walking through the Denver airport to baggage claim. And we were staying with some friends that night so we didn't have anything pressing on the calendar and I'm always in a rush, I'm admitting it. I'm always just in a rush and I gotta get the baggage claim. Just gotta get the baggage claim. My wife and my kid's godmother look at me and say, Jordan, we're on vacation, slow down. I'm thinking, I gotta get the baggage claim. My, my bags are coming out, gotta get the baggage claim, gotta get the baggage claim. And it, it's not uncommon in baggage claim for your bag to get mistaken 
and taken. And I don't feel like starting out my vacation having to be Liam Neeson over some bags that got taken, right? I'm not going there. So let's move this thing along and get to baggage claim. It's in moments like these where we tell Jesus about a need and when he doesn't respond to our beck and to our call, we get agitated. Anybody here with me this morning? We tell him about the need and then the waiting process begins. But church, we must remind ourselves that our life is but a vapor in his eternal plan. I said our life is but a vapor in his eternal plan. The scripture says our life is but a breath. And he is eternal. And so my job is not to dictate to God things that need to be done. My job is to trust God with what he is already doing and just be a part of the process of what he is doing. So what does Jesus do? What Jesus wants to do. He waits two more days to come. He says in John chapter 11, 14, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. I'm sure glad Lazarus wasn't around this conversation, right? Jesus, you're glad that you are there? Lazarus, or, or the disciples, so that you, or that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. What does Jesus do? He delays. God's delays are more about allowing a scenario to develop that is utterly helpless until there is divine intervention. And you know why? So that you may believe. Right? He, he's completely good with allowing a situation to develop that is utterly helpless until he divinely intervenes so that we may believe. We have this issue with disbelief and human nature makes us drift towards disbelief. Yet God, he desires our belief. And belief is our ticket to the miraculous. Belief is our ticket into the miraculous. So God will allow situations to develop that will launch us from a position of disbelief to belief. God will allow things and circumstances and situations to transpire where an infinite chasm is created. And God is the only way, one possible, of getting us across that chasm and when it happens we are astounded with belief belief would just begin to overwhelm us and so Jesus waits two days and makes his way towards Bethany Bethany is a city located outside of Jerusalem when he is two miles off guess who finds out Martha and Martha does what Martha does she runs those two miles. Thank God for people like Martha who know the answer is coming and they run to the answer. Amen. But then you have Mary. Mary is the kind of person that says it'll happen when it happens. And where is Mary while Martha is running? I didn't make this up y'all. It's in the Bible. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained she remained where where was she when Martha was working in the house Mary's posture 
hasn't changed. Am I the only one that sees this and is driven crazy by this? Mary is remaining seated in the house. This is why I have a problem with Mary. She's not doing anything to help the situation at hand, right? She's probably still seated in front of the exact same chair where Jesus taught last year. And Martha is running to Jesus. Thank God for Martha. And Martha runs up to Jesus and starts directing right away. Verse 21 says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha is straight pinning the blame right on Jesus. Martha's saying, you missed it. It's your fault. He's dead. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Sound familiar? If you've lived in this life long enough, we've all been guilty of this. God, if you had only been here, this would not have happened. God, where were you when he was sick? God, where were you when she walked out on me? God, where, where were you when I couldn't pay the bills? We've most likely all have been here and Martha does not withhold her thoughts from Jesus. She lays them right at his feet and watch this. And Jesus doesn't even deny it. Jesus doesn't even deny his lack of presence in that situation. What does he do? He simply points to the promise that lies ahead. Jesus says, Lazarus will rise. Church, this is one of the most difficult things because I know many of you in this room over the past couple of years have walked through situations with your families that have been very, very difficult. How can God use it? I don't know how always. I just know he will. All I can do, all we can do is to point to the promise that lies ahead. And that promise is more than enough. As Paul said, if all we have is hope in this life, then we are to be pitied far more than all people. Paul would later go on and say in Romans that I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the weight of glory that is going to be revealed to us. What does that mean? We live for the promise. We point to the promise when things are dark and dreary, when things are challenging, when things are heavy, we live for the promise that lies ahead. And Jesus, he looks at Martha and says, Lazarus will rise. He says, Lazarus will rise. Martha says, of course Lazarus will rise. Right? To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. She gets it. She just wished that he was here in this moment. But Jesus looks at Martha and says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never, ever die. You know what Jesus is doing? Jesus is taking Martha's focus from an abstract belief in God to a personalized belief. 
right? Just as Jesus not only gives the bread from heaven, he is himself the bread of life. And just as Jesus not only raises the dead on the last day, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. There is no resurrection. There is no eternal life outside of Jesus. And God's desire is not to be an abstract belief in our lives, but a personalized belief. See, our journey of faith is not done in the abstract, but it is done in a very personal, raw, and real sense. He is Emmanuel, the God that is with us, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, a very present help in times of trouble. He is here, and he is with us. So Jesus tells Martha, go get Mary from her seated position, and let's go to the tomb. Worship team, if you would, come to the stage. Then Jesus deeply moved again. Look at that. It says deeply moved. He came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay against it. Jesus arrives at the tomb, and he's deeply most obvious reason is he cares. He cares about what we are going through. He's full of compassion. He cares. And Jesus caring is far better than anyone else caring. Right? He can intervene when they cannot. He can turn things around when they cannot. He works the miraculous and they don't. Jesus caring is far better than anyone else caring. So we ain't never got to post it on Facebook again, right? Whatever hurt, pain, or loss, give it to Jesus for he is faithful. Scripture says he will uphold us with his righteous right hand. The other less common reason that is thought of in this passage was Jesus was reversing eternity. See, Jesus and Lazarus, they loved each other. So when Lazarus died, where was Lazarus? He was in eternity. And Jesus, knowing this, could have thought, how nearsighted are all of these people? Why would I remove someone from eternal paradise and place them back onto the stormy seas of life? Why would I take someone from paradise and put them back into the stormy situations of this world? Church, may this comfort us in our mourning. Because as much as we miss our loved ones, remember for those who have faith in Christ, they are experiencing the bliss of eternity. Something that this world could never afford. And they would never trade a moment in eternity for a lifetime back on this earth again. May this comfort us in our mourning. Jesus comes to the tomb. He comes into the midst of death. And finality had set in. The gavel had dropped. The situation appears to be sealed. The minister, he's already read ashes to ashes. Dust to dust. Amazing grace has already been sung. Final thoughts already have been given. Jesus walks into a situation where the casket has already been lowered. The dirt placed back on top of the casket. It's a raw situation, 
real situation. The grass just freshly overlaid the gravesite. And Jesus says, take away the stone. Take away the stone. You know what this is equivalent of? Jesus walking into a cemetery and saying, dig the casket up. Right, this is boss mode, Jesus. He says, dig the casket up. And can you imagine the reaction of the crowd? But Jesus, I don't think you understand. He's dead, right? Flatline, no pulse. Corpse is cold, it's blue. He is dead. Jesus, this isn't a good idea. Imagine the commentary of the crowd, all the, the chatter. Church, don't listen to the commentary of the crowd. Don't. There's no reason to listen to the chatter. Just crush it. Stop it, right? They would be saying, this man is crazy. This Jesus of Nazareth, he has lost it. They're probably given 10,000 reasons why this is not a good idea. But then Martha adds her input. Martha, the sister of the dead man said, Lord, by this time, he stank. He's been dead for days. Don't you love it when people point out the obvious? Like he's dead. He's decaying. You can't do this. This is not good. When people die physically, right, they start to stink. But watch this. When people die spiritually, they start to stink as well. Their stank didn't deter Jesus. He still said, roll the tomb away. He said, roll the stone away. See, our stank, it might deter a lot of people in life, but not Jesus, right? Our stank doesn't deter a loving father. Psalms 40 says, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of a miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. I'm thankful that Jesus isn't deterred by my stank. He's not deterred by a bad past. He's not deterred by skeletons in the closet. He's not deterred by any of those things who are dead and decaying. Thankful. See, in this passage, it's Lazarus that has died, but maybe in your case, it wasn't a person that was buried in a tomb prematurely. Maybe it was destiny that you allowed to be buried and placed into a tomb prematurely. Maybe it was a dream where calling was placed inside of a casket and lowered down into the ground. Maybe it was a marriage or a relationship. You see, this can represent all kinds of things that have been placed and locked into a tomb. And, and maybe just maybe some time has passed. Maybe it hasn't been just four days, but maybe it's been a year or two years or, or ten years. And we would say, God, it's been far too long since I was able to do that. But Lord, there is no way I could get a second chance at destiny. There is no way I can get a second chance at my dream. But God, I haven't tried it in years and it's just going to stink. It's just going to stink. You know what Jesus would say? It probably will stink. But roll the stone away anyways. Right? But roll the stone away anyways. 
When Martha said, he stinks, he said, roll the stone away. Anyway, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see, you would behold the revelation of the glory of God. The title of our series is Death Defeated. And for death to be defeated, death had to transpire. Death had to transpire. Otherwise, it would have just been sickness defeated. Right? There are some things that might never be defeated unless they transpire. Some situations that might not be turned around unless they transpire. Some strongholds, some bondages that might not be broken unless they come into fruition. As Joseph said, the devil meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So that a whole nation could be saved. Jesus he defeats death, and so they roll away the stone, and Jesus lifts up his eyes and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but, but I'm saying this on account of all of the people here standing around me so that they may believe that you sent me. Why was he praying out loud? So that they, so that we, so that I may believe. And when he said those things, he leans forward and with a loud voice, he says, Lazarus. He says, destiny. He says, prodigal. He says, daughter, come out of that grave. Says Jesus cries out with a loud voice. Church, the gospel is a loud call to those who are dead, to those who have fallen asleep. This is a loud clarion call, maybe to a church that's been asleep. Scripture says, when the dead in Christ shall rise, Christ shall descend from heaven with a cry of command, a loud, a clarion call and what does he do with Lazarus he calls with a loud voice with an authority in his voice Lazarus I said Lazarus he didn't have to repeat himself but Lazarus come out of that grave church Jesus is still in the business of resurrecting dead people He's still in the business of resurrecting dead bodies. He's still in the business of resurrecting dead spiritual people that need to come back to life. They've fallen asleep. Dreams have fallen asleep. And one day, just one day, you know what he's going to do? Jesus is going to call my name. He's going to say, Jordan Wiggins come out of that grave and that grave is going to have but one choice that grave will have but one choice with my body that grave is going to have but one choice with that dream that grave is going to have but one choice with that destiny that grave is going to have but one choice with your calling that grave is going to have but one choice for it to loosen and let it go He's crying out today with a loud voice, with a cry of command, come out of that grave. Awake, oh sleeper, awake. You've been asleep for far too long. You've been cast aside for far too long. Come out of that 
grave. And scripture says, the man who had died came out. His hands and his feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. There comes a moment when we gotta let destiny loose. See, Jesus resurrected him, but mankind let him loose. I said Jesus resurrected him. Jesus called him out of that grave, but I'm sure he had some brothers and sisters that were standing around, some family members, some friends, maybe a Sunday school class that was standing around him, maybe an e-group that was standing around him, some brothers and sisters that recognized they had a brother that needed to be let loose of some things that were binding them. Jesus will do the resurrection work if we will just be willing to let people loose. Why do we preach? Why do we talk about community? Because there is a world full of people that need brothers and sisters. Even if you don't need it, you got a brother or a sister who needs you to come alongside and help let them loose. Church, it's time that we stand up and with a cry of command, we say, Lazarus, come out of that grave. We prophesy, we speak it out in faith. And with divine sovereignty, paired with earthly responsibility, He will bring back to life those things that have been gone. We are responsible to let them loose. Faith without works is dead. But He will be sure to bring them back to life. Before we get into altar, before we get into altar, what in your life has been dead for far too long? What dream? What destiny? What calling? What, what is God wanting to awaken up on the inside, right? What is God trying to call into you about today? Write it down. Will you believe Him to raise it up? Will you believe Him to let it loose? Don't ever sell God short. Don't ever sell it short because 2,000 years ago, church, he defeated death and he is wanting to do the same thing here again today. He is wanting to do the same thing today in your life. If you need something to be awakened on the inside of you, maybe you're spiritually, you've been dead. Maybe you've been walking according to the pattern of the world and you need freedom from this world. I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come forward right now. Maybe it is a dream. Maybe it's destiny. Maybe it's calling. I want you to get out of your seat right now and just begin to come to the front from all over this place. There's some things that he's wanting to resurrect today. And our altar team, you come down here as well and let's begin to pray and believe and set some people loose of this bondage. Come on, church. And come out of that, come out of that when we sing. Captives, let go of those chains, let go of those chains when we praise dead men. Come out of that grave, come out of that grave when we sing. Captives, let go of those chains, let go of those chains when we
coming up. As we're praying this morning, I want you to um, grab our connection cards. Church, we are here to help you take these next steps. We want to see you come out of that grave and stay out of that grave. Amen. We want to see dreams and destiny come out of that grave and stay out of that grave. If we could do it by ourselves, we would, and we wouldn't be here. But we need some people that will come around us to help us be set free. And so before you leave, if you came down, I want you to grab a connection card and check the little box that says, I'm ready to get connected. All of our altar workers, whoever you prayed with this morning, make sure you grab that card, help them check that box to get connected and write whatever that request is on the bottom. And our team is going to come along beside you and let us help you take these next steps in your spiritual journey. We got these connection cards right down here in the front altar. If everybody would, close their eyes and bow their heads this morning. If you're here in this house today, you say, Pastor, I've been gone far too long spiritually. I need freedom in my life spiritually. I've been in sin. I've been living away from God. And I want to come home today. If that is you, whether you're online or here in this house today, I want you to slip up your hand real quick. Slip up your hand down front. Amen. Amen. Hands up all over this room. Amen. 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 Let's all collectively pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you came to give me life. I surrender my life to you today. I ask for your forgiveness of all of my sins. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Help me to live for you every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, grab those cards, can fill it out, and give it to one of our team today. I'm going to read the Aaronic Blessing in just a moment. Don't forget, Mission of Hope sign-ups out in the lobby today. I'm going to go out in a new here tent in just a moment. If you're new here, I'd love to be able to talk to you, just connect with you. We've got a free gift that we'd love to give you out there as well. And then don't forget about Nathan Morris tonight and these cards for Easter Sunday. The Lord spoke to Moses, lift up your hand, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of God. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of God, and I will bless them. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, bring dead things back to life. We're calling out to people who have been gone spiritually for far too long. Bring them back to life. God, as we build up to Easter, God, may we help call people back to life. Dreams, destinies, callings, prodigals, marriages, relationships, businesses, finances. Call them back to life in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that as we leave this place, God, that we would be assured we don't leave your presence. But Father, your presence is everywhere with us. So God, as we go into the highways and the byways, may we walk under the anointing that you have placed upon us today. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, let's sing this one more time and close it.